Hello, ladies. We're excited you're all here today. We want to let you know, we know we got out a little bit late from our lecture, so feel free to keep getting food, but we also don't want to cut the time for the Solanos that we'll get to have with them. So we want to go ahead and start, but please feel free to get up and move around and get the things that you need. Um, we're excited, as you heard this morning, to have Alberto and Kathy Solano with us today. And just as in the timely lesson that we had this week of hearing how the church sent out Paul and um, started his missionary journeys, we're really excited to hear about how the Lord is sending out this couple, this family, to join the team in Mexico, in Guadalajara specifically. And something fun to hear about from Kathy also, knowing that she's from Germany, actually. For those of you who know the Borkmans, who are GMI missionaries, she actually attended the Borkmans Church. So she comes um, from friends to more friends and is being sent off to more friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're excited to get to know them more, to hear about what the Lord has planned for them in ministry. Let me just open us in prayer, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we have truly been drinking in such um, grace and wisdom as we've been able to enjoy your word in our own personal study this week with our lesson, to be able to come together this morning to discuss it, to hear your word taught to us. Father, we are so blessed by your word, and now we are so grateful to have this time to hear about how you are taking your word around the world, Lord, through the missionaries, and we're thankful for Alberto and Kathy, Lord. And we're excited to hear what they have for us. Lord, we also want to praise you for the provision of food today, God. And we thank you for blessing us with that. Bless our time now in your son's precious name. Amen. There we go. Well, hi and good afternoon. Um, We want to tell you guys a little bit about uh, ourselves, what we're going to be doing. And uh, I'm just very encouraged that all of you guys are here. Um, I did mean it when I said in chapel that we do feel that you guys are all family. Uh, we all belong, by God's grace, to the same church. We all serve here together. And I am sure in one way or another, we have already been blessed by you guys, either directly or indirectly. Uh, well, a little bit about us. Um, I was born and raised in Mexico. I, um, as, as Lauren said, I went ahead and at age 16, I left to college to go study business. My father had started a, a family business, and uh, the plan was for me to go ahead and, and join him in, in Mexico and, and um, continue on. But my last year of college, uh, God started calling me to the ministry. And as you know, when, when God starts calling, you cannot say no. And that's why I went back to and told my father, Dad, I, I, I love you, but it seems like God's leading me another direction. And two years later, after having moved back to Mexico for a, a short, brief time, I, I ended up here at, at Grace Community Church. And in God's providence, and I think our story, as you'll see, is full of just God's providence and God sovereignly orchestrating every single step of the way. I ended up knowing about Grace Church and Master Seminary in Costa Rica, of all places. I was down there. I was working with some kids. Uh, we were working on uh, helping churches set up their children's ministry. And a pastor had a son who was studying here at uh, the Master Seminary. Maybe you guys heard of him as uh, Josh Mills, Joshua Mills. And I met him. He told me about this Master Seminary, this place where he was going to go. And it sounded to me like this magical, wonderful, incredible Disneyland that I had to go and see. And I came and I, I fell in love with, with the place. But more than just the place, it's the love for Scripture that just radiates from this place. And that's why it attracted me to this place. And, and I came to start studying at the Master of Seminary. 
And this was already five years ago. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about your side of things? I grew up in Germany, in Munich, which is like the south of Germany. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad had been the elder of the church as long as I can remember. Um, I was saved there in Germany when I was about seven. And then after I finished high school, I came here. In Europe, it's very common for kids after they finish high school to just like take a year off. So I came here and I worked as an au pair, which is like a live-in nanny for two years. So I came one year before he came and the second year I was here, um, he came and he came into the fellowship group that I was in, which was Dulas. So the first Sunday he came, he sat next to me by God's providence. <laughs> and I didn't really notice him, but I guess he noticed me. But that's okay. We noticed, I noticed him later then. So we got to know each other in the um, fellowship group and in the Bible study and started dating um, the next summer in like June. Mm -hmm. And in September, I had to move back to Germany because I was done with my work. So I moved back and I um, started studying and got my bachelor's degree in Berlin. And that's why I attended um, the Bochmann's church for two years. And we went on long distance for two years. Um, and even before we started long distance, the first time we met and talked, he always told me, like, my plan is to go to Mexico. So the first thing he said is, like, if you're willing to go to Mexico, we can date. But if not, then <laughs> kind of like that, in a loving way. <laughs> so, yeah, and we did long distance. Then he actually moved to Germany for six months to get to know my parents because they had not met him, he Skyped with my dad to ask him to start dating me with a translator because my dad's English is not so good. And for like a serious conversation, it's not um, the easiest if you don't speak the language so well. Yeah, so he moved to Germany for six months to learn German and he lived in my parents' living room. So that was very, very brave. <laughs> and my parents got to know him very well and he did. And then last year we came back here to keep on studying and we got married last April. We got married in Mexico for the civil wedding and then in Germany for like the real wedding. Well, like the church. Yeah, and then we've been back here for one year and we are heading out in April. Do you tell more about that? Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, love. Thank you. Yeah, I still don't know why she married me. I just, <laughs> it's such a blessing. Uh, yeah, we got married last year, last April, as my wife said. We've been happily living up in Santa Clarita, and uh, we are both serving in Spanish ministry, which is the fellowship group where we're coming out of. Um, Lord willing, we're moving to Mexico this April. Well, almost to Mexico. We're going to take a short detour to Germany to try to raise support out there. But we're being sent as Grace uh, Missionary Partners uh, to plant a church, being sent by Spanish ministry. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm here to talk to you guys. All right, brief up, brief little bird's eye survey, kind of what we're going to be doing. And I'm going to try to touch on these points as quickly as I can and leave some time at the end for questions. Uh, what we're going to be trying to do in God's grace is plant uh, Iglesia Comunidad Biblica Church and equip the elders to oversee a congregation. We're there to plant a church. Even though there's a lot of things that we want to do as start a TMA extension, which I'll mention about, and, and start all these ministries, we know that none of that is possible if you don't have a church. 
You know, we, we even look, and you guys looked in the book of Acts, all these missionaries were sent to start churches and to equip, equip people from the church. So we're going to be starting a church. We're also going to be equipping the people in the local church, disciples, and various ministries. My wife will talk a little more about that and what her um, ideas are for uh, women's ministries, very similar to EWG and children's ministries and music and all these different things. Uh, set up a... Uh, outreach ministry to share the gospel in the city and finally uh, open a TMAI extension out in Guadalajara. That's a brief bird's eye view of what we're going to be doing. So just to tell you guys a little bit of where we're going to where we're going to be headed. Now this is a map of southern U.S. and Mexico. This is where we are today, Grace Community Church. Uh, we already have some missionaries in Mexico, Luis and Robin Contreras. They are right there in Mexico City. Um, but we're not going to be going to that city. Why? Well, for um, for basically the reason that Mexico City, it's it's such a large city. It's 24 million people. I mean, in and of itself, it's a whole country. So the work that the Contreras are doing in Mexico, they, they already have enough of, of the whole city that they have to uh, minister to and, and outreach programs. So we want to set up, it's an other, another center outside of Mexico City to be able to be a blessing to the rest of the country. So we're headed to this city right there, Guadalajara. It is an hour uh, flight to Mexico City. It's seven hours driving, and that's where we're planning on, on heading to Guadalajara. Our ministry, as I said, is to, is to plant a church. We all know that the church is at the heart of God's mission to evangelize and equip the saints. Uh, and when we believe as I'm sure you do as well, that Christ, because he hasn't returned, he continues to build his church. And we trust in his providence that he will do the same for his people in Guadalajara. Guadalajara, as I mentioned briefly in chapel, is a very strategic place. Uh, just as Paul and Barnabas and Peter, when they went out, they, they chose cities that were strategic for the sharing of the gospel. You know, God does care for cities because it makes them strategic locations where people come for different motives. And from there, the gospel can be shared. So Guadalajara, it's, it's a large city. Even though it's only the second largest city, it has 5 million people big. And this clicker, let's see if it's working. I'm going to move to the mouse. There we go. Five million people big. Um, it's, a, it's a city that is composed of other small cities. Think of it like L.A. And in many ways, as you'll see, Guadalajara is very similar to L.A. We have our, our Orange County, our Valley, um, our different Santa Monica, different locations. Guadalajara is just like that. We have different smaller cities that make up this larger city of Guadalajara. And Guadalajara is also a thriving and growing city. There's a lot of new activity going there. A lot of uh, people coming and visiting the city, and the city continues to grow. And as I mentioned, it is in many ways going to a, a Rome, a Corinth, an Ephesus, a place where it's thriving and people can come and, and hear the gospel and then take it to the little town outside of the, of the city. It also is a city that not only receives a lot of local attention, but it's also been coined the Silicon Valley of Mexico, meaning that there's also a lot of international interaction with this city, making it a strategic place for other people from other countries that go and visit this city because of the continuous activity and movement that is in the city. Also, as very similar to LA, it's home of a lot of art and music and film festivals. We host some of the largest one in Latin America, meaning that as in LA, the world comes to you. 
And it is a place where we can start a church and use it to proclaim the gospel and people from other countries and other little towns in Mexico can come in and hear the gospel. And, as if that wasn't interesting enough, Guadalajara is also the home of mariachi music. So when you come and visit, we'll be sure to take you and enjoy it firsthand at where it all started. It's a gorgeous city. I wish that all of you guys will one day come and visit it. If you can, Google Guadalajara, Google our state, Jalisco, see the pictures. It's, it's a gorgeous city. But Guadalajara also has a problem. And the problem is a spiritual problem. It's a dark, dark place. And many times that outward entertainment hides the reality of the people's heart. And that is that the majority of them do not know Christ. Guadalajara, 84% of the people are Roman Catholic. This is actually the same number for the whole country of Mexico, very similar to other Spanish-speaking countries. Um, 8% are atheists, 2% belong to a, a local cult, 1% Jehovah's Witnesses, 1% Jews, and we're only about 1% to 2% Christians in the whole city. Now, even this number, 2% Christians, it doesn't mean that they are good, genuine, born-again congregation full of believers that are healthy spiritually. Guadalajara is also a fertile ground for false doctrines because a lot of times the churches that exist there are led by men and are led by leaders that don't know the Bible. And then they are spewing all these different things that are nonsense, are not the Bible at all. And so it creates this confusion among the people as to what exactly is Christianity? What exactly is it to be a born-again believer? Furthermore, Guadalajara is in the middle of what has been known in evangelical circles as the, the Circle of Silence. It's composed by six states in Mexico. And this area, this, this central part of Mexico, is the region with the greatest population with the least percentage of evangelical churches in Latin America. In some places in this circle that you see there in the screen, the number is less than there are in the Middle East, just because the number of evangelical churches hasn't reached. And that's a lot of times for two reasons. Number one, because it's already been tainted by so much confusion and so much Roman Catholicism and other cults that they end up not hearing the gospel. And secondly, culturally, these people are, are Roman Catholics. And so the moment that you become a Christian, the moment that you become an evangelical, they take it as you're becoming a traitor to your own country. You're becoming a traitor to your own people. And so that's what makes this, this place very difficult for the, for the gospel. And as you can see, we're going right there to the middle of that area, right there, the city of Guadalajara. So what is the plan? The plan in God's providence is to start a church, to be a light in the middle of darkness. And we cannot wait to go down there. We're leaving, Lord willing, in April. So we have ten, two more months to prepare for it. So let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to be doing. We're going to be planting Iglesia Comunidad Bíblica. And this place that we're going to, this church that we want to plant, is, is we want to uh, commence a congregation of disciples of Christ that exist to, to exalt Jesus Christ, to edify the saints, and to evangelize for all those who are lost. A church, a church where they can come and hear the gospel. Now, by God's grace, how are we going to accomplish this? Well, there are already there people waiting for us. And that's what the exciting thing about Guadalajara. It's not a place where there's no one that's going to be joining us. There's already a group of people that have been meeting for the last four years in a house. And let me tell you a little bit about them, just as a background. This little group comes from a church that completely left the faith. And they ended up 
going out of that church, meeting in houses, and they were looking for a church that they could get plugged into. But there wasn't a church, a single church, where they could get plugged into and have fellowship with, and so they ended up just meeting in houses, waiting for a church that would um, that they could be a part of. And in that time, uh, because my, my family, my immediate family, who they all love the Lord, uh, they were part of this little group, we started thinking and praying and considering, maybe we can start a church with that group. And by God's grace, it's about 30, sometimes 40, sometimes 25, sometimes 50 large group. They've already been meeting. And let me go ahead and introduce you to them. You can see the faces of them. They are committed to help us plant the church. They've already been working together. And they already, in a way, this is the the core group with which we're going to be planting a church. They've already been saving up money. We don't have a place to meet yet. They still meet at the house. But it is with them that we, Lord willing, will be planting the church. Now, the way that we're going to go ahead and doing it is, you know, when you plan a church, you have different models that you can follow. The first one is you can start in a house, and then eventually you move out to a larger place, and then there you meet. And then eventually, as people come, um, you keep on growing the place. That's a very natural way of growing a church. Another way of growing, of, of starting and planning a church, maybe you also heard of this different model, is when you start by renting a place without people, and then... Uh, trusting that the Lord will bring people to that place. What we're going to do is a mixture of those two models. Right now, we're dedicating time to train this core group of believers. And we're training with them, we're talking with them, we're having them grow more spiritually because in God's providence, this this group that you see there are going to be the ones that are going to help us lead the different ministries. And we have then set up this next six months to work with them, train them, and Lord willing, launch the church sometime in August. After the summer uh, moves along and after p- kids are back in school, that's the date that we have set. So for this time, we're going to be working with this with this church. Now let me tell you a little bit about the leadership in this church so that you guys can be familiar with what we're going to be doing. First of all, it's going to be me and my wife that you already met. Uh, Kathy, why don't you come up and, and uh, tell us a little bit about it. Um, I want to tell you guys what it is that we're going to be doing. I'm going to be functioning as the teacher, elder, pastor of the church, my responsibilities are going to be the, the preaching, the teaching, and the leading of the church. Uh, it's, it's, well, what I've been wanting to do when I came to seminary, to go and, and serve the Lord that way. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing? Well, first, I'm going to practice my German and uh, my Spanish even more with the people. <laughs> and... Um, I would love to start something like EWG because I've been so richly blessed by this ministry. And I know that all the lessons are already in Spanish, so that's a huge advantage for me. So I would love to start something with the ladies where we really dive into the word and we study it together and we meet weekly and just, um, yeah, grow together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have you been preparing for that? Oh. Um, well, doing the lessons and just... Um, Reading lots of counseling books, we are very young, and especially I feel sometimes very unqualified to um, be a pastor's wife so soon, but I know that we have lots of people here that are supporting us, and people that I know you can call whenever I have a question, so, yeah. yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you, love. So it's going to be us. By God's grace, as I shared, this group already has a few leaders that have been helping in the leading of this church, but we're not there yet. Uh, here is the Cernas, Marco and Mari Serna. They're going to be helping with the administration of the church, children's ministry, camps, um, 
sharing the gospel around the city. Uh, he's just someone that loves the church. He actually went to a, a quasi-seminary back in the day, and he's just a, a wonderful asset that we're going to have there. And also, I want to introduce you guys well to another a couple that is going to be helping my own parents, uh, Alberto and Rosy Solano. You know, it's, it's, it's different when your own parents, they say, I'll follow you in the ministry. That adds a weight of responsibility. And, and it's such a blessing. They're going to be helping with, with membership. They're going to be helping in, in different areas of the church. And we're just excited there as well. And another, another couple that is there, it's already Los Sayas, Jesus, Iditli. They're mostly focused on music and young adults. Us four men, uh, Lord willing, we're going to, in time, um, be the elders of the church. So you guys remember their faces. Be sure to be praying for them and for me as I, as I train these men. Now, by God's grace, we're not alone. There's already more people that are excited to help us. And let me introduce you to a few of them. First of all, my sister. She's right there, sitting right next to, to Kathy. My sister, she's going to be helping a lot with the media and the promotion. She's an excellent photographer. If you guys want a, an amazing photographer, that's my sister right there. She didn't pay me to say this either. She's going to be helping a lot. She has a love for young ladies and a uh, love to to see Christ magnified in our city. And that's why she's going to be helping with. We also have help of uh, uh, Chico and Marta. Uh, they, and they have a wonderful testimony. Strong Catholics, didn't, rejected everything that had to do with Christianity. And with time, God changed their heart. I mean, it's just amazing to see someone that has a heart of stone. I mean, you see it when you talk with them. They just, they just reject the gospel completely. And with time, God saves them and God changes their heart. And now they're excited to help us, uh, with, with things. He's, he's still growing in the faith, but I, but he's someone that is going to help us with, with everything that has to do with, with the church. Another two, um, Dear friends that are going to helping are what you see there, the two siblings, Carlos and Michelle, you're helping with music and children and young adults as well. And, and the other, uh, those Macias there as well, they, they help a lot with, with special ministries, with hospital, nursing homes, and those kind of things. That's their passion. And so I think, by God's grace, it's such an energetic, full of seal group that has been formed, and we're excited to go and, and join them. Let me go ahead and show you guys a little bit of what's been going on in Guadalajara, a little bit of pictures of the group, what they've already been doing, what we've been doing together, and then I'll go ahead and open it up to questions. By God's grace, this group, because it's been meeting for the last four years, have already been engaged in different things around the city. Uh, they've already been invited one time. I think this was last year, a year before last year, last year. They were invited to this uh, music, Christian music festival in the city. And they were invited to uh, play and to sing in front of the whole crowd. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love this music group because they're one of my favorite. They've been talented by the Lord, and they, they love to sing rich theology and even instruct people in the Bible through music. And also another blessing that this group has are families. This is Mar um, Marco and Maria and, and, their, and their children that are going to be helping in the, in the church plant. Beautiful, wonderful kids. The youth group is another vibrant group of people that is uh, comprised of this core group. Uh, I think that was someone's 25th birthday, it looks like it. But they are just 
wonderful. They are energetic. They're excited. They can't wait to see this uh, launch. And, and, you know, whenever you see youth, you see this, this seal and this excitement. And, and they are the ones that have been telling me we're just there this Christmas. And they look at me and they say, when are you coming? We're waiting for you to come. Come on. Clock is ticking. We have to start this church. And that's just super exciting. Another thing that has been going on with that core group are uh, young ladies' conferences. Uh, my sister, along other other friends of hers, they started this blog um, in Spanish for young ladies, and that has just boomed. And this was last year, the year before last year, that they had their first conference in Mexico, and all those ladies they came to uh, to be edified by other mature uh, women in the faith. The women's ministry in Mexico, and many times, it's 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 a vibrant opportunity to share the gospel. And uh, well, as you can imagine, my wife has her. We're cut off for her. And so you guys can be praying for that as well. Another exciting thing that's been going on in this core group is the outreach that has been happening to indigenous tribes in Mexico. Mexico, as you know, is already a, a country that has been slowly modernizing. Uh, it's been, the cities have been growing and, and the cities have become more and more modern. But, but it also has a large population of indigenous people that live way out there in the hills, speak a completely different language, sometimes are ruled by their own uh, ways of behaving in their culture, and they have never heard the gospel. And by God's grace, we've been able through to connect with some of these of this, uh, groups, ethnicities, group of people, specifically one church. You know, a church that has been suffering quite a bit. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They were kicked out of their homes last year. They were kicked out of their homes because in the little town where they live, they worship the god deer and the god sun and the god bird and the god this and the god that. And they have an annual celebration. And so they expect people to give money for the celebration of this pagan gods if they live in this little town. Well, the church and the Christians, they say, I'm sorry, but we cannot give money for such a celebration because we don't even believe in those gods. And so they got kicked out of their homes. One night they came and they said, you're no longer part of us. You cannot longer be here. Please leave. Now, that's them speaking where the church meets. Uh, they're talking about their needs. And one of the things that they said over and over again, it's, you know, the Bible said that we were to expect suffering. Or to expect persecution. So it doesn't surprise us that it came. And praise the Lord that we are strong and encouraged in the faith even through it. Right now they've been, they've been, um, they were still ha- having some problems. They were relocated to another, another town. There's a little bit of group about them, of them, and you can see some of the faces that were in the, in the core group as well. So we're excited to work with them as well. This, this little towns and, and tribes that still need to hear the gospel. Also, uh, and I don't have to repeat this, well, I must repeat it because it's true, Grace Church has been so encouraging in all this time. The elders of Spanish ministry, Josiah, Michael Mahoney, and Henry, they've already come and seen the core group. This is right there. It's uh, Josiah Raman. This is last July. He's speaking in our state, in a little town south. He's uh, teaching to some people and... Uh, it's good to see Josiah back in his, what he would himself say, his, his habitat, where he would, is his Spanish-speaking people. We have already adopted him, even though he's tall and wide. <laughs> uh, also, this last October, Michael Mahoney and Henry Tolopilo, they came over. We had a, we had a conference that was um, promoted there in, Spain, in uh, Mexico. 
um, the, the topic of the conference was the master's plan for the church, and specifically was so that the people there listening to the conference would have a, a broad scope of what the Lord expects from a church. And that right there in October just did wonders in God's grace because now people are more excited than ever. Not only this core group, but other people in the city, they're just tapping on the shoulder and saying, when are you going to come here? Because we need a church that we can be a part of. So it's such a, such a wonderful, encouraging thing. Just very briefly, uh, what are greatest needs at this moment? Let me go ahead and run through them, and then I'll open it up to questions because this might answer some of the questions. Our greatest needs are, well, basically four of them. Number one, we need a place to meet. We don't have one yet. We've been scouting the area, looking at some possibilities. We haven't found one yet that meets our needs. Number two, well, what comes when you start a church? You need chairs. You need a microphone. You need speakers. You need all these different things, and... Uh, we're also in need of, of those things. Number three, we need men and women to help us lead and teach. Right now, it's just us going. We're being sent by Spanish ministry. Luis and Robin, they're completely aware of this. They're praying for us. They're encouraging us. They'll be traveling. We'll be traveling there to try to encourage one another. But we need more men and women to help us lead this group. And then fourthly, financial support, in which that's what, we, what we've been doing this last couple of months. Uh, finally, uh, how can you be praying for us? And I mentioned it in chapel, and, I, and it is true, and I want to emphasize it. We depend on this church for prayer. We need prayer. We cannot do this without prayer. Why? Because this is a spiritual endeavor. This is not just starting a club. This is not just starting something earthly. This is spiritual. So we need prayer. We need your prayers. So how can you pray for us? Well, Pray that God would be most glorified in our lives and future ministry. Pray for us, personally, for me and, and my wife. Pray that God would give us wisdom in the things that we must plan and prepare for the next few months. Everything from packing boxes, figuring out how we're going to ship everything out there, and also um, how to we better train this congregation before we get there. Pray for me as I prepare to train the church elders and preach God's word, and pray for my wife as she continues to learn Spanish and gets to know the the people of, of Mexico. Well, we're excited, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and open it up for, for questions. If you guys have any, why don't you come up here and you can help me answer some questions in case they're directed to, to you. Yes? In the picture, you see uh, it showed more women than men. Are there men, is there a lot of men involved, or is it more? Yeah, great question. What you saw in the picture is a situation in most of the churches in Mexico. I'm going to venture to say that. Men, because they have a, a view that, well, I don't need help. Why am I going to go to church? It's full of ladies a lot of times. And a lot of times ladies are the ones that end up taking the, the leadership and they're the ones that are taking the initiative. So we need more men to help and lead. And, um, and it's also just a wonderful opportunity. Look, you, you saw the, the picture of what, what the young uh, ladies are doing in the conferences. They're excited. A lot of times the women are more excited than the men. So, yeah, that's true. This group right now has more women than men. Mm-hmm. Yes. So were your parents a Christian before you went off to college? Yes, they were. Yes, they, by God's grace, God brought them to salvation when I was seven years old. And uh, they left the Catholic Church. I, I wish I would have time to tell you their testimony of how God just opened their hearts completely from Catholicism. But yeah, they've been they've been believers uh, since I was seven. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, great question. Well, I'm not sure if there's a, there's a specific formula, but I can I can share what what I do sometimes when I when I approach Catholics. You know, Catholicism is uh, it's a false doctrine. It's a false organization, and at the core of it, the basis of Catholicism is you need to earn your salvation. You need to earn favor with God, and that's why they have uh, the sacraments. That's why they have penance. That's why they have all these different things that they have to do. So when you talk to a Catholic, I think one of the ways that you can talk with them is to share Christ's righteousness. It's what you need for salvation. The good works, we believe in good works, of course, but we don't depend on good works for salvation. We do these works, good works because our hearts have already been transformed, and we do them as a reflection of already happened inside. For a Catholic, they, they switch it around. They think that good works is what they need to do so that their heart is transformed. And of course, we know that that would be salvation through works. And is that possible? Well, no. You cannot be saved through works. So they don't, they don't read the Bible. You know, if they have a Bible, and if they read it, they're very similar in many, time, in many ways like the, like the Mormons. They have the Bible, but they have something else. You know, the Mormons, they have the Bible, and they have the Book of Mormon. And if you want to understand the Bible, you have to go through the Book of Mormon. Well, it's very similar to the Catholic Church. You have the Bible, but if you want to understand the Bible, you have to go through tradition, and you have to go through the Pope, and you have to go through what the Roman Catholic Church says. Mm-hmm. Great questions. Yes. Hi. Yeah, that is that is a big problem that is happening, and I think very similar to uh, our sister uh, um, asked. It's um, yeah, there's a lot of women pastors in Mexico uh, because they just take the initiative because there's no one else. So that's yeah, that's a, that's a big problem that is happening. I think that's not only in Mexico. I think that's very common in Spanish-speaking countries um, that they, they end up having women women pastors, and with that of. I mean, there are theologies all over the place. You end up seeing things that you never thought you would see in a church. But if they don't understand the scripture, if no one teaches it to them, they just end up making up things. So how do you bring those men in? Here it says you're going to train church leaders. Great question. Well, the ones that I'm referring to are the men that you saw in the pictures. My father and the rest of the other two men. They're, by God's grace, they're already there. And they're going to help me in the training of men. How do you bring them in? Well, in many ways, God needs to do the work in their hearts. Because if their heart is not transformed, well, you cannot have them leading a church yet. So we depend on God for the salvation of other men to come to the church, equip them, and then eventually, with time, and as they're serving slowly in the church, as they grow in knowledge of Scripture, then they become leaders. But that's a, that's a great question. And the answer to that is, well, we just trust in God that if he has people, he will give them el- leaders and elders. They want, to stay home. they want to stay home. They want to watch soccer. They want to watch whatever and drink. And um, Yeah, they, they, need, they need a church. Yes. Uh, of course. Of the gospel is more appealing to men because it makes sense instead of just feel good. 
So I think it's going to be a, a very key way of attracting those men to give a very um, thought out, steady, rational, recent by yourself, um, historical background, all of that, that, that men like more than just do your Yeah, thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, well, that's one of the reasons why our, our one of the priorities that we have in the church is to set up outreach programs to be able to travel there and to share the gospel. The gospel there. They these groups of people that have other gods and speak other languages. They mostly live in in the hills outside of the outside of the city. So one of the things that we're going to be doing is going in and traveling there, and in God's time, maybe even start a church there, which is very exciting. And we we cannot wait to see that God opens that door. Yes. Yes. Great question. I, I'm sorry, I didn't touch on that. Um, we're starting a church, yes, but with that, we're also opening up an extension of the seminary in Mexico. Uh, right now, they have men traveling once a month from. Uh, from Mexico City to Guadalajara to have an intensive two-day training. So, Lord willing, we're opening up an extension where we can host classes on a weekly basis in Guadalajara. So, yeah, we're going to be working very closely with, with those men that God has already raised up in that city. And, uh, yeah, by God's grace, they're, they're also excited what we're going to be doing in, in Guadalajara. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I'm sorry, back there and then right here in this table. Is there a problem with drug lords in that area? Not much at the moment. Uh, if you recall the, the map of Mexico, it, it kind of it kind of curves Guadalajara where we're going. It's it's towards the belly of Mexico. Let's put it that way. So a lot of the drug traffic it's towards the Gulf of Mexico. That's where things come from the south to the to the U.S. So we are um, we're safer because we are we are towards the the west of Mexico. Not a lot of drug traffic there. Yes. We're, <laughs> we're praying for that. Yes, we, we, don't, we don't have any men uh, here at seminary that comes from the same city. Uh, there are a few families that have shown interest in joining us. So we continue talking with them and, and, and uh, encouraging them. And, well, if in God's providence he directs them that way, well, we won't say no. <laughs> yes. Thank you both so much for being here. This has been a tremendous time just to be so excited for all that the Lord is doing in Guadalajara, specifically in the church there, that he has already prepared for you both. And so let's lift them up to the Lord right now, and they'll also be here afterwards if you have more questions, okay? All right. Heavenly Father, you are so good, Father, to give us your word, and we see even so evident again even in hearing Alberto and Kathy share, Lord, how your word is so important, God. And we know that it is only by your grace that we have been blessed with knowing your word through your spirit, through the faithful teaching of your word that we've been blessed to hear God and sit under. And so we rejoice that the Solanos are now returning to Guadalajara, Father, to do that, to take your word, just as 
the church sent out, Paul and Barnabas and later Silas and Mark. And Father, it all is blessed because they're teaching the true gospel. And so, Father, we rejoice in this. We pray for the Solanos as they readjust to life back in Mexico for Alberto, for Kathy, that she would um, adjust quickly to the culture and the friends and the brothers and sisters and the church there, Father, that you would bless her with quick um, learning of the language. And we're so excited that you will be able to um, use Alberto even immediately, Lord, as a national going to his own culture and his own language, Father. And we do pray that you would uphold them in righteousness, Father, that you would keep them above reproach and that you would give them great wisdom and humility, Father, as they undertake this great endeavor that you have planned for them, Father. And we pray that when the trials come and the difficulties come, that you will be their rock and that you will guide them and direct them faithfully, Lord. We pray that you would bless our day and the rest of our week now, Father, in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, ladies, thank you again so much for being here. And feel free to come up and ask questions. Please don't forget that there are prayer cards on your table. So don't forget to take those and continue to be praying for them. Thank you.